What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. If you guys heard the episode released on Wednesday, you heard Coach Chronic, and we liked him so much that we brought him back for another episode. So, actually, going forward, uh, Karan and I, aka Coach Chronic, are going to be doing a collaboration once a week. So, instead of the Q&As that I do by myself on Fridays, we're going to be doing what's called a true and false. So if you've been following my stories, you saw, you saw last week I posted a bunch of true-false polls on my story where there were uh, topics related to nu- nutrition. So I believe one of them on this episode is like, true or false, you need more protein as you age. Um, and then you answer true or false, obviously. I, I've just said true or false like five different times. But yeah, so you guys answered that. And then what Karan and I are going to do is go ahead and answer those questions in depth on the podcast and i'm going to be releasing that once a week so looking forward we're actually going to be switching up the schedule of the podcast so before it was wednesday and friday um, with wednesday being a guest episode and friday being a solo q a going forward it's actually going to be i'm going to release this true and false episode this true and false series on tuesday and then the guest interviews on Fridays. Reason being is that Karan and I are both going to release the same true and false collaboration on each of our podcasts. And that way, if we release them on Tuesdays, we're going to be releasing them on the same day. So there's not that like weird overlap. Um, and one person won't be releasing the episode after the other. But nonetheless, that's going to be the schedule change going forward. Friday is still going to be a release day for the podcast. And that's going to be when new guest interviews drop. But yeah, I just wanted to get the housekeeping items out of the way before we get into the actual content. Um, Of course, if you guys heard the episode that released this past Wednesday, you know Karan knows his stuff when it comes to strength training, mobility, nutrition, you name it. The guy's a wealth of knowledge, and that's why we decided to partner up. And I'm super excited for you guys to get into this. We covered a lot of valuable information, and I have no doubt that you're going to be able to take away a lot from it. So With that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, I need you to do two things for me. One, drop a five-star rating and review below. That's going to help us grow on the iTunes charts and reach and impact more people. And then secondly, if you could take a screenshot of this podcast episode and share it on your Instagram story, share it on your Facebook story, whatever social media platform you're on, share it on your story, tag me, tag Karan, and let us know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode and what you want to see us cover next in future episodes, and what you want to see me cover with future guests on future interviews, just let me know what you want to hear on the podcast going forward. Because my goal, like I've said multiple times on here before, is to provide you with the content that's relevant to you and that's going to help you reach your goals. So with that being said, thank you guys so, so much for listening, and let's get into the episode. Welcome, everyone. We're here to answer some questions, some true false stuff. This is the first time I'm doing this. A little collaboration with my boy T. Clark. Uh, We had a lot of fun on the last podcast, so we decided to do some Q&As, true false stuff. So here we are. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? I'm excited to do this. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, 
the way this is going to work, y'all, we put up true false statements on each of our uh, respective stories. And we have people vote whether they thought a certain concept was true or a certain statement was true or false. And maybe things like, you know, we all know this is not true, but carbs are bad for you, make you fat. True, false. You know what I mean? So stuff That's like not that. True. <laughs> right. Um, so we just had a bunch of different questions that we want to go through. We got some really interesting responses, some eye openers. So we want to um, first say what the majority of you thought and then kind of go into the details of why something is true or false or it depends because usually it depends. There's never yes, really a, uh, you know, a solid answer all the time, but let's see what we got. Tommy, sure. start us off, my man. All right. So the first, the first true false statement is if you don't see your weight change for two to three days, change your calories and macros. So good job, guys. The vast majority of you said that it was false. It was, it was uh, 29 to 71%. Uh, 71% of you said it was false, which is correct. Two to three days is just not enough time for you mm-hmm. to see any meaningful change in either direction, whether the direction you want to go in or if you're not going in the direction you want to go in. Two to three days is just not enough time to see any like meaningful change. Right. It's weight fluctuation from a daily basis, even on two to three days, is very, very dynamic. It's all over the place. Um, I've had clients, you know, they'll wake up this weight and then they'll wake up five pounds lighter. And then they'll go back to bed and blah, blah, blah. It just, it just fluctuates all over the place. It can be very, very large in um, plus or minuses. So um, obviously, as Tommy's saying, I agree. I don't think that um, on a day-by-day basis, you should use that as an indication of progress. Really from even a week-to-week, two-week basis is a, is a better indication of an average um, net loss yeah. or net gain. And it's, it's a better representation of um, your progress in general. For sure. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any changes to your calories and macros unless you've been stuck at the same place or you're not going in the right direction that you want to be going in over the course of minimum one week, probably ideally two to three weeks even. Like yeah. your body doesn't, it doesn't like think about it. You're trying to, let's say you've been overweight for 10 years and you're trying to undo that. You're trying to lose weight. You're not going to undo a process that took 10 years for you to get to that place in two to three weeks, two to three days, one or even one or two weeks, even one or two months, it's going to take some time. So for you to expect you to see like meaningful progress in two to three days, it's just kind of, you can't really expect that. And really how I, how I like to look at it is like to really determine if you hit a plateau, you gotta, you gotta look at it from three different views. You gotta look at it from obviously from the scale weight, like if that hasn't changed, okay, that's a plateau. But also, how's your performance in the gym? Like, if your weight hasn't changed on the scale, but you're getting stronger in the gym, you're still progressing. Like, so you really still you really still haven't plateaued. And the last thing would be like your visual progress. So, like, if your weight hasn't changed, but you look better in the mirror, who cares? Like, that's what we're going after is the visual appearance. Usually what we're going after is the visual appearance or getting stronger in the gym. Like one of those yeah. two things is usually what we're going after. So, I mean, if, and then if those, all three of those things are plateaued, then, okay, let's switch up the calories. Absolutely. It, it's, it's really just patience, honestly, and trusting the process. Um, as long as you have a good coach behind you, that's giving you, you know, great, uh, appropriate 
macros for you specifically and is not just giving you a blanket kind of approach, you should see results in time. But as Tommy said, it's it's hard to just reverse a process that you've done for so long. Um, You think about under eating. If someone's been under under eating chronically for two years, five years, 10 years, it's going to be really hard for the body to want to even see fat loss because it's so used to just like, oh my God, please feed me. And the moment you get something, you can, you get some food back into your system. It's just a rebuild process until your body's actually like, okay, let's relax. We can lose some fat now. So really it's just about being patient and um, just trusting the process. Y'all hundred percent. What you got here on? I got uh, BCAAs are vital for fat loss. This is a, a, a big one. When BCAAs first came out, they were like so popular. People oh, yeah. were making all these rash claims about them. And um, in general, they just were overhyped to like the maximum. And very good job. 94% of you said false. And I'm very happy to hear that. Um, obviously, BCAAs are not vital for fat loss. You do not need BCAAs. BCAAs are branched-chain amino acids. They are found naturally in foods that we eat every day. So you don't need to necessarily supplement them. Um, You probably don't even need to buy them at all. Supplements, in my opinion, are like the very top of the the pyramid when it comes to importance. Look at your calories first. That is the, the, the basis of fat loss in general. Caloric deficit, it can be slight, but just make sure that is there. If that is consistent and that is being adhered to, you can see change over time. But you shouldn't be worrying about supplements before <laughs> you even have your calories and the calorie composition, the meal timing, what's, you know, what are those calories made of. Those things are going to be way more important for you than you know, a protein shake or BCAAs or a pre-workout. Like, these things are like very, very low on the priority list. For sure. And even then, like BCAAs really aren't necessary at all. Like if you're going to go for an amino acid supplement, I would go for an, an essential amino acid supplement rather mm-hmm. than a BCAA supplement. And the diff, for those of you listening, the difference is, so there's nine essential amino acids and there's three uh, branch chain amino acids. Branch chain amino acids are essential amino acids, but not all essential amino acids are branch chain amino acids. And it's been shown that like it's the blend of the nine essential amino acids is typically more effective. So like if you're training fasted, for example, that can be, that can be an application for it to uh, prevent any muscle breakdown. Like if you take an essential amino acid supplement before, um, before training fasted or during fasted training, um, it can help prevent muscle breakdown. Um, BCAAs fall into that category, but I would just go with an essential amino acid supplement so you're getting all nine um essential amino acids i'm not sure exactly why um i can't recall exactly why the essential amino acid one is more effective than the bcaas i would guess that it's because it more closely resembles like what you actually get in food right because like in a piece of steak like you're not just getting bcaas like yeah right. there's plenty of them in there but there's so many other um, amino acids in there Right. Um, so that, that would be my guess, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree. It more likely resembles a complete protein. Think about like, sure. cause right there's, there's chicken, which is going to be complete, but then there's like rice and beans, which have separate, uh, amino mm-hmm. acids and don't separately. They're not complete, but when you put them together, yeah. everything combined becomes a complete protein, which the body can utilize and absorb effectively. So I think you're 100% on point with the essential amino acid, uh, sort of caveat, uh, For sure. what you got. Let's see this next one. 
Oh, this one's interesting, man. So you should aim to gain muscle at a rate of one to two pounds per week. 59% of you guys said that was true. Yo, what program are you on? Time for a learning experience. So I can see like, I can see how it could seem like, oh, that makes sense. Because like one to two pounds doesn't sound that, that far out there. That, that was kind of my intent with this true or false question. Because like it's not so absurd that you're like, oh, yeah, that's false. But like the reality is you probably don't want to be getting that quickly. If you're unless you are a newbie and you literally have never trained before, uh, you were just dialing in your nutrition for the first time ever. Sure, in that case, um, you might be able to gain at that rate. But for the vast majority of people, I would say within half a pound to a pound per week is where you want to be. Um, and even then, that's not like as lean as possible. Like if you want, if you're really going for that like picture perfect clean bulk, like half a pound a week or even less than that is where you want to be at to really make sure that what you're putting on is all muscle. Um, or the vast majority of it is muscle. Um, but definitely that one to two pounds per week is pretty, pretty aggressive. Like if yeah. you're okay with putting on fat um, during the process, if that makes it, if it's easier for you to adhere to for whatever reason, uh, just because you enjoy eating more food and you're okay with dieting down and having to shed that fat off, then okay, go for it. But you're not doing yourself any favors by going within that range. It's really difficult to gain muscle in general um, after the newbie gains. And if we do the math, right, if you gain even a pound per week, right, that's four pounds per month, and there's 12 months in the year. So you're telling me you're getting 50 pounds of muscle in a year? Fuck, no. That's just not happening. Not, um, not even if you're on roids. That's just not. Yeah, it's just not happening. So uh, in my opinion, as Tommy was saying, I think um, honestly a pound a month is probably yeah. the most sustainable. Like if you're looking, yeah. And, and you're really lean and you're, you're on point, like you're dialed in, like you're on point if you're getting a pound a, a month. Like that's really good. People have to understand that uh, muscle gain is a, is a lot different than weight loss and fat loss because it just takes more time to develop, it, especially after you get over that newbie gains hump. You have to be very, very um, adherent to your program, um, training-wise and nutrition-wise, and you have to be very preemptive to prevent plateaus so that you stop gaining muscle. Like you have to uh, do things like deloads and um, changing the stimulus of, of the training, um, switching between like strength, speed, hypertrophy, et cetera. You have to make sure that obviously not like week by week, um, it'd be in a, a planned periodized method. But the point is that there's just so much more that happens with building muscle. It's very, very difficult. So to do a pound or two every week is insane. Yo, if you actually For doing sure. that, please DM me. Like, I'll pay you. Like, coach me. I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, even even that like half a pound to a pound per week. Like, that's probably that's what I'm doing right now, and I'm just kind of being more aggressive with it because I am kind of in that newbie gain phase. Because like, mm -hmm. yeah, I lifted weights before and like I trained before, but it was alongside lots of basketball and lots of running up and down the court, and I wasn't like doing bodybuilding stuff. Like, I wasn't trying to get as jacked as I possibly could. So like, this is my first like true muscle building phase where I'm like, that's all I'm focused on. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I'm being a little bit more aggressive, but even then, like I'm only within like half a pound to a pound uh, per week. And like Karan said, a pound a month, if you're really looking to stay as lean as possible, that's really what you should be at. Like a quarter of a pound per week 
Yeah, I, I think that that's better. And I know that like it sounds super, super slow, but like think about it. If you're going to one pound, 16 ounces, think about a 16 ounce like steak. If you just stick that on your, that's a big, like that's a lot of muscle. Yeah. And like, yeah, one pound doesn't sound very impressive. Like you want to be like, oh, I gained like five, 10 pounds in a month. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, and I think just being aware of that and being okay with that. And again, it kind of goes back to shifting the focus away from the scale. Like we were talking about before, because mm-hmm. like, you're going to get stronger in the gym and you're going to look better. Like who cares if the number on the scale goes up only a pound. Right. Right. It's all about the adherence, the performance and the, the other uh, biofeedback markers that we talked about earlier. 100%. So the next thing we got is uh, skip your warm up If you're short on time in the gym. Um, 92% of you said, do not do that. And I applaud you because that is 100% right. <laughs> do not skip your warm up. Do not skip your warm up. Do not skip your warm up. Um, the warm up is a very, very, very key part of the workout, even before any heavy lifting begins. Um, mobility, prime or activation and priming, making sure that your joints are ready to work activating the correct muscles that you're going to be training and the correct movements you're going to be training and then priming, getting your brain, your central nervous system fired up and ready to lift some heavy weight like that. Those things are so important. And honestly, I think skipping warmups is a lot of the reasons why people get hurt because they're so quick to start lifting heavy when things aren't ready to do things. Like you have to prime your brain, not just your muscles. The, the reason this is so important is because when your brain sends an electrical impulse to the muscles to contract that signal needs to be strong before lifting heavy because central fatigue is very common with a lot of heavy lifting. Central fatigue just means that your brain literally gets tired. I don't know if you've ever yeah. lifted super, super, super heavy and you're just kind of like, whoa, like, oh shit, like that, that was crazy. That's an example yeah. of excuse me, <laughs> central fatigue. Um, and if you're not priming your brain for that, it's going to come quicker. You're not going to lift as heavy. You're not going to be as explosive. And you're just not going to see the same gains because you're not challenging the body with a great enough stimulus because you didn't prepare it for that stimulus. So it's very, very important that you not skip the warm-up. I'm done. <laughs> 100% agree. I, I don't got all, the, uh, all the, the scientific knowledge to back it up as far as the training side of thing goes. But definitely from personal experience, when I don't warm up, my work, not only like is the injury risk higher, but like you just, your workout isn't, isn't as good. It's not. Like you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to perform as well. And I mean, that's just reality of it. It's but simple. like for someone who, for someone who's like, okay, yeah, but I don't want to spend like X amount of minutes warming up. Like what, what's the, what's the time commitment? Like for someone that like wants to get an effective warm up in, but also like has like has a set time that they can be in the gym. They don't want to spend like a lot of it warming up. Right. Um, yeah. You should not be spending 30, 45 minutes warming up. It should take probably like at most 15, maybe 20 minutes. And I say that because um, of that, those three phases I spoke of um, mobility, yeah. activation, and priming, getting the joints ready to work with some mobility movements and intentional exercises, activation, activating those movements and those muscles to support the heavy lifting you're about to do, and then priming your brain after. So think about, um, let's say, like a deadlift, right? In a deadlift, at the top of a deadlift, you're locking out the upper spine and you're, and you're pulling the shoulders back and down to get the lats going, right? Now, yeah. 
a simple activation technique for the lats would be a lat pull down or a, a straight arm pull down. Where you, have, yeah. you have a band, you have a cable, something, and you're simulating that motion at the top of the deadlift, right? You're pulling the cable band or whatever down and your, your lats are firing, right? So that's activation. And to prime that movement between your brain and your lats, you would do an, an overhead slam or a tall kneeling slam where you're on your knees, you're lifting a very, very light ball, like three, four pounds, and you're slamming it down, finishing with your hands behind you as fast as you can and as explosive as you can. And only do like four or five. You don't want to be sitting there doing like 10, 15 reps because you're, you're going to start to use uh, different things to accomplish that movement. Um, and if you think about it, it's a very similar movement to the, the straight arm pull down, taking a ball and yeah. slamming it behind your head or sorry, uh, under your head. And that is going to prepare you for when you're lifting however much you're deadlifting off the ground, you'll be able to stabilize and keep that, that motion, especially when you first start the deadlift and you pull those shoulders down and activate your lats, you'll be ready to take on that weight. But if your, your brain and your muscles aren't communicating effectively, you're going to start to see compensations. You're going to start to see rounding of the shoulders excessively when you deadlift and the lats are just going to be turned off. So it's really, really important for the longevity of your training programs. If you want to see strength gains, if you want to see fat loss, if you want to see muscle building and hypertrophy long-term, these things are very, very important. 100%. I don't got anything to add to that. <laughs> you killed that one. You killed that one. Thanks, bro. Um, what you got? Let's see. This is the last, this is the last one I got. I, I got uh, three for this week. So the last one I have is as you age, your body needs more protein. So 67% of you guys said true, which is correct. Good job. As you age, your body um, does need more protein because you're more about, you're more prone to muscle protein breakdown. Right. Um, I, I forget exactly what the age is where that like starts to happen. I think it's like 30 or something like that. Yeah, I think it's 30 or 31 or something. I think it's like still like every year, like after 30, like you're, you're more prone to muscle protein breakdown. So yeah. combat that uh, easy solution is to up your dietary protein intake and that will kind of keep things balanced and make sure and make it easier to put on muscle and retain muscle. And yeah, it's just something a lot of people don't really know. Um, and it can be a really easy fix, especially if you're, especially if you're past 30 in your forties, fifties, whatever, um, it can be a really easy dietary fix to help you gain and maintain more muscle in the long run. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, but I believe after that certain age, whether it's 30, whatever it is, the actual like, uh, growth hormone secretion goes down like after every year past that point. I don't know yeah, exactly. Is, uh, testosterone testosterone there we go yeah so every year after 30 your testosterone gets uh, lower by some, a certain extent so right yeah right so yeah, I mean, really anything you can do to help with muscle muscle uh, gain and muscle retention which the increased protein intake is definitely one of those things right right yeah i have nothing else to add man you killed that one <laughs> awesome all right um my next one is uh this one was actually almost split evenly it was a little bit toward false but okay. um high reps build muscle low reps build strength um 65 of you said it was false and 35 percent of you said it was true so um this one was interesting because this is a very big it depends um i think it depends based on uh so many things one which muscles are you targeting? Some muscles work better in an explosive manner. Some muscles work better in a um, higher rep, lower volume, or sorry, lower uh, intensity 
style. So if you think about the smaller muscles on the back of your shoulder, you're not going to do like a set of six or five, right? With heavy weight, you're going to do like 15 or 20. And that's going to build the muscle. It's going to make it stronger. And it's going to help you um, do the bigger lifts. But that is an example where um, high reps actually does build strength and muscle. So it it really all depends on the context. Um, But in general, um, lower reps like a a five by three is a strength oriented, uh, you know, training regimen. However, that is going to build muscle. It will. Because you're, you're increasing the, uh, the stress that's being applied to the body in that perspective, whatever movement that is. And that's only going to help you build more muscle in the long run. And coupling that with um, higher volume days and higher volume sets and training volume that's progressed over time, you're going to see yourself get stronger and you're going to see yourself build more muscle because you're not allowing yourself to plateau. So it really just depends on the context. It depends on the muscle. It depends on um, your recovery. It depends on your, your macros and your, and your calorie intake. There's so many things that go into it. So one variable doesn't always tell the whole story. Totally. And I mean, like a lot of people either fall into the category of like doing one or the other. Like, yeah. like there's a lot of people that just like stick to one, like, oh, like low reps is best. Oh no, high reps is best. The reality is like, if you've been doing a certain rep range for like a long time, switching it up and going to whatever one that you weren't doing is going to be a new stimulus, which then will make it more likely that you're going to build some more muscle. So like just right. not getting stuck in either rep range for too long is probably the biggest, one of the biggest keys as well. Right, right, right. And um, for all of you out there who are doing the uh, the 4x12s and the 4x15s every day, day in and day out, you got to switch your shit up. As Tommy said, you got to lift heavy. You got to lift heavy. That's, that's how you grow muscle. You can't do the high rep 3x12, 4x12 all the time because you plateau and you your body tapers. It just it just happens. So at some point, you have to increase the intensity and you have to switch up which days you're going to go heavy strength, um, in which days you're going to go more volume-based hypertrophy. That mix of the two is probably the most uh, effective way to build muscle, in my opinion. Okay. Do you like to do you like to have them both in like the same like phase? Or do you do you like to have like a strength phase and then like a hypertrophy phase? Because I know there's like differing like opinions on that. And I mean, like there's definitely like both work. I'm just curious which one you prefer. So I prefer. Um, I believe it's called undulated periodization, where yeah. you're not necessarily doing one type of uh training you know uh style so to speak it's you're mixing up the two or three or four whatever you're applying in the same week so let's say we're doing like an upper lower split where two days um is upper or our upper excuse me and two days are lower let's say i do a um a heavy deadlift on one day right and another day is going to be a heavy squat and I'm going to use accessories for those different movements on the other day. So if I'm doing a deadlift, I'm going to do, I'm going to do an accessory for a squat on that deadlift day. And that's oh, not necessarily yeah. super heavy. It's going to be like a four by eight or yeah. you know, what have you. But that's not going to be like a five by three. I'm not going to do squat and deadlift in the same day. You can. And there are programs that have that. Um, however, I think from a uh, just like a sustainability perspective and just balancing recovery and, and stress and stimulus, I think this is the best way to do it. Um, so again, you have that deadlift, heavy deadlift, then you have a squat accessory. And then on the the heavy squat day, you have a deadlift accessory after that. So you're kind of switching up the two. Um, and let's say you have, cause everyone's different, right? We're not robots. Let's say you have a lagging muscle that does not want to grow. Like 
for me, my legs, they, they're just like, you know, I'm, you're going to have chicken legs forever. So <laughs> you need to uh, apply some type of like high volume finisher at the end of your days to give some more stimulus and some more volume yeah. to those lagging areas. So like whether you do like an EMOM for your legs or EMOM for your biceps or, or, or triceps, your arms, whatever, that's a good way to increase the stimulus to make them grow because volume intensity, uh, volume and frequency. Those are the, the biggest three variables you're going to consider when trying to build muscle. So if you, if you can progress one, two, three, or all three of them at the same time, separately, whatever um, works for you um, from a long-term perspective, that's going to guarantee, or not guarantee, I, I should say nothing's guaranteed, but it's going to be the highest likelihood of uh, yeah. growing muscle. Yeah. Sounds good, man. What do you got next for us? So next I got, ooh, this is a good one. Um, I, I love the responses on this. So when performing low rep sets, three to five reps, your rest period should be what? So I, this actually wasn't a true false. This was like a A or B. Um, okay. A was one to two minutes and B was two to three minutes. Um, good job. 66% of you said two to three minutes and 34% said one to two. Tommy, what are your thoughts on this? You, you were actually on the, on the I, right. I, I, vote, I voted for the, uh, the two to three. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean – just if you're lifting heavy, I mean, honestly, I'm not like keyed in on the exact reason why it needs to be two to three minutes. Um, other than that, if you're giving yourself more rest, you're going to be able to lift heavier weights and do more. Absolutely. Muscle, which would lead to more muscle growth. Absolutely. And um, to get into the science a little bit, there's um, energy systems and the way your body works is um, for certain periods of time, you can do certain levels of intensity of training. So yeah. for like, the first 10 to 15, actually, honestly, 12 seconds, 10 to 12 seconds of movement, you are your strongest, your most explosive, and you can lift the heaviest. After that point, and when you start to get into like 30, 40 seconds, you're still pretty strong, but there's no way you're doing 90, 95% of your uh, max uh, rep for an exercise. Yeah. Um, it's like a heavy back squat. You're, you're not doing a five by three. Or sorry, you're not doing a three rep set and then in like 30 seconds doing another three rep set. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, and you know, and, and as you go deeper into the amount of time moving, like you start to get to a minute, two minutes, it becomes uh, much more oxygen based. And when things are more oxygen based, you can't lift as heavy. So the two to three minute time period is a, is the, not, not exact. Some people need more than that because if you're doing like a, a set of two, you're pretty high up there. So you might even need to go like four minutes and any power lifters listening, you know about this. Um, at that point, you need to give your body time to, uh, to recover the, the ATP or uh, adenine triphosphate, uh, phosphocreatine system, which is yep. essentially going to be able to allow you to do that same intensity the next set. If you rest a minute after doing a heavy, you know, 85%, 90% set, you're not going to be as strong. You have to give your body time to recover. And then, you know, I, I, I see this a lot. I'll see dudes lifting super heavy and w women do it too. Um, and they'll wait like a minute. The first set looks really good. They're killing it. They wait like a yeah. minute. They go right back into it. I see compensations. I see bar pass. Go go crazy. I I, I see knees. I, I see shoulders. Yeah. I see things. Things just start to break down because the body's not ready to sustain that load again. So that rest period is so freaking key. Oh yeah, it's, it's often overlooked, but it's really important. For sure. And I mean, how are you talking about the energy system? So that's where like creatine comes into play. 
Like yeah. if, you're, if you're supplementing with creatine, then you allow yourself to regenerate that ATP at a faster rate. So that maybe, I mean, you'd probably still want to rest within between two to three minutes, but you're going to be able to regenerate that energy at a faster rate and do more work and lift heavier weights. Yeah. So that's where that comes into play. Good call on the, uh, the creatine reference. So um, next we got, when should you do your heavy lifts when doing your training session? Um, this is also an A and B. Um, and this kind of piggybacks off the last uh, yeah. topic we just, just discussed. So 82% of you said at the beginning, good job. Um, and 18% of you said at the end. So let, let's talk about this. Um, just how, how we were talking about the, um, the first energy system where you're most explosive and central fatigue and things like that. It's really important to do your super heavy lifts in the very beginning of your session. Why? Because you're your freshest, you're your most explosive, you're going to be your strongest. The longer your training session goes, the lower your intensity needs to be. So if you're doing a compound lift, like a back squat, like a really heavy five by three back squat, that's going to be at the very beginning of your program. And with each subsequent exercise, the intensity is going to decrease. The volume, like the amount of reps you do um, per set will probably increase because it's, it's, a, it's a sliding scale, right? As intensity goes down, volume usually goes up and the other way around. So you're going to have your intensity be the highest at the beginning of the program and the lowest at the very end, unless you're doing like a hit finisher for fat loss, if you know, if that's what you're going for. But yeah. Um, yeah. You have anything? Yeah, no. The one there? How about um, nah. share, share some, um, some experience of something maybe in the beginning. Cause I know when I first started training, I used yeah. to just do heavy all the time and just kind of, I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's just go for it and just, just go, <laughs> go, 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 go. And nah, it I mean, didn't work very well. <laughs> I mean, luckily I never really had like a, any like training, not mishaps, but like, I don't think I ever really followed like a, like a super crappy program. Yeah. Um, Lucky man. Luckily. Cause I mean, within uh, like, within like playing basketball and stuff, like I always had like some sort of structure, like get like, especially like when I was playing in college, like we had our strength coach who gave us like workouts to do. And like, they were, I, I at least I would like to think that they were structured pretty well. Yeah. Um, at least I would hope so. Um, but I never really had like any terrible experiences with like workout programs, which, which is lucky. Um, Cause I know most people, what I see a lot of people doing, especially like college kids like me are doing the bro split. Uh, yeah, can you, can you uh, talk about the bro split and why it's not oh as God. effective? Yeah, so I mean, if you're hitting, if you're only so each time you hit a certain muscle, each time you work a certain muscle, you're you're giving it a signal to grow. And after I believe it's like 48 hours or so, the anabolic signal kind of dies down. And if you're only hitting each muscle once per week which a lot of people do in these sorts of bro splits which is like what a bro split is is pretty much just hitting like one body part a day whether it's like chest back whatever it may be so if you're only hitting each body part once per week you're not you're there so after that signal dies down like 40 hours later there's still four to five days of just empty space like yeah. muscle doesn't have a signal to grow so like you're kind of just wasting that time and sure, you might get some crossover from like different body parts and like different days, but like you're not specifically targeting that body part. And like you said, like frequency is one of the biggest variables of muscle growth. So you're not doing that bro split is pretty much just throwing frequency out of out the window and completely. 
So, I mean, that's where that falls apart. So that's where you'd want to follow like a upper lower split, full body split, push pull legs, anything like really anything other than the bro split. Like, unless you're on, unless you're on like, unless you're on gear, like there's no real application for it. Like, yeah, I could be wrong, but I just, I haven't seen any real application for a bro split for the general population. Yeah. It, it, you're you're hundred percent right, man. I think the bro split is, 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 it's easy to, to do and it's, it's easy because yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, let's just, let's just hammer our chest. Yeah. Monday chest day. And, um, as you said, the problem with it is the frequency you're not, um, because you're hammering it so hard, like so you're going so freaking hard, you're sore as shit for days and you, you don't want to do it again. You're like, man, I, I yeah. beat up on Monday. I'm not doing that again until next week. And your body's mm-hmm. like, yo, like I'm ready. Come on more, please. <laughs> and you're just like, nah, I'm good. We'll wait yeah. till next week. And, because of things like newbie gains and because of the crossovers, as you said, with different movements, you're going to see some gains. Like even a shitty training program that's adhered to will work. But um, at some point there has to be a change to continue to see uh, sustained growth. That, that, that's, that's the big uh, issue with the growth, with the long-term uh, gains. For sure. And I mean, like, let's say you're hammering a specific body bar. Let's say you're hammering your, hammering your chest. Like, as you get deeper and deeper into that chest workout, you're not going to be able to do as much intensity. Absolutely. And if you split like the volume for your chest over the course of two or three workouts, if you're doing like an upper lower or push for legs, whatever, like you'll be able to do more intensity as well and get the frequency and still hit your volume. So like the compounding like of those three things will do wonders for your muscle. Gain. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a, a, pretty cool um not analogy but just an example of a a client of mine gave me actually he heard so let's say you can do you were trying to get better at pull-ups right you're trying to grow your back and you can do 10 pull-ups but after 10 pull-ups you're so sore and you can't really do um any more pull-ups for like another like four days but if you do five pull-ups you're you don't really feel that sore you can probably do it every day so if you do five pull-ups every single day right seven times five is 35 but you can only do 10 pull-ups every like three or four days. You're only getting 20. So you're literally getting more volume by doing less reps per day than if you were just like go super hard for one day. Yeah. So like, that example is like the exact reason why the bro split is just not efficient. For sure. For sure. So yeah. the last question we got, um, this is which ab exercise is better, planks or crunches? 90% of you said planks. 10% of you said crunches. What do you think? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it depends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speak more than that. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I, feel okay. Like has to be, I feel like there has to be a specific application for each of them. Like, I've, like, for some reason, I forget what the exact reasoning is behind it, but I've seen like people say, oh, crunches are bad. Like something about like the like, flexion of your, of your spine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why you shouldn't be doing them so often. But I feel like just from a common sense standpoint, for mo- most exercises, of course you have like, like some exercises you just probably should not be doing. But like most exercises have like some sort of application. So I really, right. and it's like, I, I, like with nutrition as well, it's just context. Like whatever, like sure, keto is not the best for most people, but is there an application? Absolutely. I feel yeah. like it's the same thing for exercises. I agree, man. I agree 100%. I think context is everything. 
Um, there really is no good or bad movement. It just depends on the person. It depends on their mobility and some of their limitations, injuries. Um, like for instance, if you're an MMA fighter, you might need to do crunches. If, if you're uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, competitive, like you, you're going to need to be in that position and you're, you're going to need yeah. to be strong in that position. So you're going to be training that. But if you're just like someone who wants to get strong, maybe you don't need to do crunches, maybe do planks. It really just depends on that and what you like. Like if you, if you absolutely deplore planks and you will just not do them and someone <laughs> program programs for you, you just skip them every time, but you love crunches. All right, let, let's let's do let's do some crunches. Let's do some crunch variations. Let's let's, let's switch it up so you know you're not doing the same thing every time. Fulfillment and enjoyment will always be uh, way up there on the priority list. So no matter what exercise you give someone, they hate it. They ain't gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially especially like in, in, in like in our situation, like online. Like yeah. Like, like they're gonna skip it if they don't like yeah, it. Yeah, they're just gonna skip it, and they're not gonna tell you. <laughs> no, like, oh yeah, the, the planks went great. Yeah. <laughs> I did crunches. I didn't do planks. <laughs> no, man. All right, man. That that is that is my last question. Yeah, All that right. wraps up the first true false QA with Coach Chronic and T Clark. That was awesome. I'm definitely down to do another one. Um if you guys have questions um after hearing this podcast with Tommy and I, um please DM us, shoot us some questions. Um, this could be a regular thing. It really depends on um, what you guys want to hear. So Let's do without it. further ado, what you got, Tommy? No, nah, man, this is a blast. It, it's super fun. Like I was, I was doing Q and A's on my podcast, but it's definitely like, it's definitely a lot more fun to have like someone to go back and forth with than kind of yeah. like talking to yourself on, on a <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, there is, there is, it's, it's still fun, but like, it's definitely, this is a lot more enjoyable. And I feel like you guys get a lot more out of it as well. Cause you have like two, I mean, like, we pretty much share the same opinions on a lot of stuff we talked about, but like still just having two minds going back and forth. You can't really beat that. Yeah. It, it really gives more perspective. It gets more angles, more context and um, two heads are better than one, man. Always, always. Nah, man. Uh, but where can, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone oh. find you at? Yes. And I gotta, we- I gotta switch the, I, we don't really, again, like we don't really know who's hosting this podcast. So I just figured I'd take the lead there. Dope. I love it. The initiative is, is appreciated. Um, you can find me on any social media network at Coach Chronic, um, K-R-O-N-I-C. You can find me on my website, chronic.fit. Oh, my Twitter actually is Coach Chronic 1. I just made a Twitter. I never tweet oh, things. Twitter's weird, but I decided to just do it. Um, and what are you going to put out there? I just put like random shit like stop fearing food and, you know, just like r- random things that hopefully inspire someone to, to uh, you know, think about things a little bit deeper i like to get people to think twitter's a weird place man it really is it is really a weird place like, it's so yeah, weird you have instagram and facebook there's like I mean, there's still some weird stuff on there but like it's pretty normal but you go on twitter it's a whole different it's a whole different ballgame yeah the, the rants and the, the memes and the, there's just so much going on but um, I'm, I'm gonna return the favor bro where can people find you uh you can find me on instagram at t clark nutrition that's really the main place where i'm at um also, I mean, if you're listening to this on Coach Chronic's podcast, then you can find my own podcast at uh, the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. If you're listening to this on my podcast, you already know where that is. Yeah. Um, but I'm putting out two episodes a week. One is one of those episodes will probably just be one of these true and false episodes, just instead of that Q and A. So, like I said, I feel like it's a lot more productive for you guys, and it's a lot of fun for me too. 
So yeah, on Instagram at T Clark Nutrition or at the podcast at I just I just said at like six times <laughs> on the podcast at uh, the T Clark Nutrition Podcast. Dope, and we'll we'll be sure to uh, put each of our relevant social media links in the description of For the sure. podcast, so you can just click on right through. Sounds good. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you for joining me. And thank you all, whoever you're coming from, whether it's uh, Tommy's audience or mine. We appreciate your time and attention. Take care.